welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mr. I am Mr. Pierre. I'm Mr. Thomas. And we are joined by the fabulous, go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Megumi Kramer. I went by Megumi Tanaka. So they might Tanaka. call me Tanaka. They still might call me Tanaka. My students still call me Tanaka. So Tanaka is fine too. Excellent. Excellent. We are joined by a wonderful, fabulous, magnificent educator who we both had the pleasure of working with. Thomas a, a lot longer than me. Megumi Man. Tanaka Kramer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Mr. Pierre, like you, you said, like if the Avengers team, Miss Kramer, I can't, I have to get used to that. I'm sorry. Uh, she would be Thor, like the world's mightiest Avenger. Like she could only is the one that can handle Mir Mir. I'm sorry. I, I agree one. with you. I agree with She's you. She's the one. I agree I am with you. honored. Yeah. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. We are so grateful and uh, appreciative to be able to spend this time to, to talk to you about a couple of things. Um, if you could just let the community know, let the folks know, like, how did you, what is, who are you? and What's your story? Ooh, that's a deep one. Yeah. Like your narrative, right? Yeah. So I am Megumi Kramer Tanaka. I am an educator in Las Vegas currently. I've taught in South LA for four years uh, before moving to Las Vegas. I grew up in LA and I knew I wanted to go back and give back to my community. And so I think education was like the first thing that popped in my head. And growing up in LA and being an undocumented first generation college student, I had to really navigate through college and really learn how to apply to college being undocumented. That was another layer. Um, and not having any parents who've been to college supporting me as well. So teachers really were the ones who got me there in education and through college. And so I really wanted to be a teacher who can relate to my students who are also undocumented. And so I became an educator, um, went through Teach for America for two years, met Mr. Thomas um, during my first two years of teaching and kept growing from there. Awesome. Awesome. Is there a I wish I could have I followed you anywhere, Ms. Tanaka. Like I I I I I'm telling you like I Ms. Pierre, I, I I sincerely like love her to death. She has taught me so much. I believe you so so much in education. Like I was I wanted to get out at some point. I followed her to two schools. <laughs> two schools. Two. Two. I mean, she's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Any, every one of her students is just lucky to have her. Oh, thank you. Oh, something to add. I am a special education educator. So been a special education teacher for the last five years. I was going to ask you, um, what's kept you in this work? Because it's not easy work. And now with, with COVID, it's at another layer. Um, but what's kept you in the work to do all the things that you're doing? Yeah, being a teacher is not that easy, right? Being an educator, mm -hmm. having to wake up so early in the morning. Um, on the weekends, you're most likely grading, yep. writing lesson plans, writing IEPs for our special education educators out there. Every year, 
seeing my kids grow and being able to advocate for the needs in their IEPs because that's the skills that I feel like I have and I am good at. Being able to advocate for my students' needs, being able to collaborate with my general education teachers. And so seeing my kids grow and also the parents thanking me, um, being happy after an IEP meeting, because most parents come into an IEP meeting really scared, right? They think it's going to be like critical and really negative. And I wanted to change that narrative to, no, this is a place where we collaborate as a team to support our students and how much we love that student. And so seeing those kids grow and having those parents really be thankful for my skills, I think that kept me in education. Also being really fortunate to be able to meet amazing people um, in the past. And I'm in, in a great team right now at my current school. So really people, people keep me here and kids keep me here. Awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah, Do you feel like, Maguri, because of the work that you've done here or you did here in South LA, that that has helped you to be able to even recognize and identify those sort of things that need to be addressed in Definitely. Las Vegas? Definitely, I think that connection that I can make with my students, mm-hmm especially as an Asian American woman, being able to be in the classroom and make those connections with my students, a diverse group of students. Um, It all came from my experience from South LA, definitely. Okay, dope, dope. I'm wondering, as you were growing up um, here in in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. because Thomas and Akeem have already he already raised me about this and he he knows where I'm going, being an East Coast guy. Um, did you see a lot of you growing up in terms of teachers? Because I think about me and the number of Black men that I had as educators growing up was maybe two. What was it like for you? Yeah, so in LA, I had, if I remember correctly, I had about four or five Asian teachers. And they were mostly the counselor, mm-hmm. um, the Korean teacher, the uh, foreign language teacher, and also the science and math teacher. So I saw them a lot in STEM and counseling. Not a lot of ELA teacher who mm-hmm. were Asian. Um, but I did go to high school in Koreatown, Los Angeles. So I think that really helped the diversity little bit um we had a huge population of korean american and um english learner um both in latinx and korea so i think that really helped with my culture and being able to see um myself as a teacher awesome awesome do you because i know the impact that it had on me when i had that first teacher it was a music teacher in fourth grade and being a lover of music, and it's probably because I love music, is because of mm-hmm. him, that I'm now able to connect music to everything that I do, whether it be the lessons that I teach, whether it be in, in math or in science. Of like, there is a science to making a great song. There is a science mm-hmm. uh, of knowing. There is a, there's math within the beats. 
there's math in how many bars. So being able to make that connection, I know for myself personally, that's how, was that ever the case for you? Did you ever feel like this teacher sees me and was able to sort of light that fire in you to go on to, to do the wonderful things that you've done? If, because I was really jealous of that connection you had with that teacher, mm-hmm. I don't think I had that experience. Okay. And I think that comes from me being Japanese and Korean, being half and half, um, coming into Koreatown. So I learned Korean living in Koreatown. <laughs> so when I first came to the United States, I only learned, I only knew Japanese and I learned English through school, of course. Um, but I never knew how to spoke Korean and coming to a school that was predominantly Korean, Latinx, black and some white. Um, I had to learn to feel like I needed to fit in, right? That language is really, it matters and how you look you definitely look asian you want to kind of fit into your asian group um and you kind of go towards that asian teachers right like you especially during lunchtime or club you want to go to that asian teacher to like hang out with them lunchtime was it yep agreed yeah however i never got that connection with any of my asian teachers and there were most they were all korean actually and I never really got connected with those teachers. And I don't know if this is just me or if this is something that's like in the Asian American culture. It was really hard for me to be Asian. Like I wanted to be a different race or I wanted to be something else. Like I didn't want to hang out with the Asian group. I wanted to be with the, let's say the skaters or the kids in band or kids in orchestra, like that was me. And it was really difficult for me to find myself as an Asian American because I didn't speak Korean to be with the Korean kids. But when I would speak English, I didn't look the part. So I remember reading an article about Forever Foreigner, how Asian Americans are seen as a forever foreigner where they don't feel like they fit in they look like a foreigner if they enter a room they question do they know how to speak english do they know the culture in america and so yeah i I think it was really difficult for me to connect with teachers that were um asian in my school the teacher i did connect with was my Latinx teacher who knew about being undocumented. That's where I connected more. Um, You're speaking about like, you didn't feel connected to teachers. How do you make your students feel connected or as part as the school culture? Like I've seen it firsthand, but I know I would like you to speak on that one. Yeah. I like to bring my culture in to my school. So I like to talk about K-pop. I like to talk about anime. 
I like to talk about video games. And I try to connect with my students in that way, not because of specific race, but a lot of our diverse kiddos love K-pop and anime. Um, it's very open now. With my Asian American students, I think I connect with them by sitting down with them and talking with them because we're able to connect to how strict our parents might have been with us or how it's really important for us to like finish our homework in the morning because we're gonna get in trouble. Like that fear of like the education piece and just sitting with them and talking about food. I think food is one of those things that you can connect with your students and my students are able to connect with me because I bring my Asian food to school. So my pack lunch is Asian food. And they'll be like, ooh, what is that? And they're always talking with me. But my Asian students, ooh, I had that last last night for dinner. You know, like rice, eating rice is like everyday thing for us. So I think connecting with food, definitely, but just sitting with them and talking with them every day um, because it will be stereotypical for me to say like all Asian kids are, love anime and K-pop. It's not true, right? There's right. other things, but I can connect with them through culture, like food and our parents and how we value families and education. Um, we're able to connect in that way. So like from working with you in high school and then going to work, follow, following, following you <laughs> to, to an elementary school. Um, I know your clubs were the most popular clubs on campus. Anything that they saw your name on, it was automatically a huge sign up for. Um, I, I just want to, I'm, I'm hoping you guys still do the, uh, you know, making your own food. How did you guys do it? I mean, like your anime yeah. club. I did not know that many people were in an anime. I thought it was just a cartoon, <laughs> but it's it's a thing. Like my son talks to me about anime now and I'm just like, okay, I have to pretend that I, I know who these people are. Um, but I'm like, let me ask Miss Kramer who this person is and I can <laughs> act pretty cool. Like you, you make me look like a thousand times cooler as a dad. So um, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, my, I don't know where I was going with that question, but um, no, just how do you feel like it's as for the students with IEPs do they feel also connected to being into these clubs or being seen because I know a lot of times they are overlooked or pushed to the back in the classrooms um mm -hmm. so how do they feel seen and connected at your school is it as mainstream there or yeah so uh just want to go back to like the past of what I did was I think I felt like I I knew the culture right I knew what anime was I knew what k-pop was so I felt like I needed to make that club so I made that club and because I made it and I knew how important it was to incorporate students with IEPs and general education students in the club together. I was able to invite a lot of my students with IEPs who love anime to come to those clubs. And I think clubs 
extracurricular activities are the only place where students with IEPs feel like they can have those, they're in the same level, right? And especially in reading and math, they feel like they're behind and they know it. But in an anime club, if they know all the information, they're like the one that's the coolest. Or if they're playing games all the time and they're really good at games, they're like the coolest because they can beat them, right? So like, it was a place for me to create a space for my students with IEPs and being able to invite them. And I was being conscious about making sure I'm able to invite all my students with IEPs. And I had them in mind when creating it. Um, at my current school, it is mainstream, so it is a um, inclusive school, and we do it by the co-teaching method. So having the teachers push in and supporting our students, um, definitely reflecting back onto what I was able to build in California Collegiate is not to where I would like to be at my current school right now, but it takes time building the collaboration through general education instead, it takes a while. So definitely um, it is a working progress. And uh, I think that happens. The foundation starts from general education teacher and special education teacher connecting with one another and collaborating um, so that we can create a space for our special education students to be able to feel welcome in the classroom because we're accommodating and we're supporting them and creating a safe space for them. And I think that's really important. For those listeners, students with IEPs are our special education students. I know we're trying to use those lingos in education, so. Yeah. In, in, in listening to you, Megumi, like, I'm thinking to myself, how can I as a gen ed teacher, or what can I do better um, so that my kiddos with IEPs feel included, see themselves, um, and not just in those spaces of like during the clubs. Mm. What, what what more can I do? Or what suggestions would you give to a gen ed teacher like myself? I think the first step is not seeing them as the special education teacher student. Mm-hmm. Accepting them as your student. I think that's the first big step. Because what I've seen is that a lot of the gen ed teachers kind of rely a lot on the special education teachers to help them accommodate, help them support them in the classroom. And that already shows the student, oh, my SPED teacher is my teacher. Mm -hmm. But it makes a huge difference when you walk up to them and say, hey, do you need help with anything? hey, here's your accommodation. Here's how you can solve it. Let me help you out. I think that makes a huge difference, um, accepting them as your student and creating that narrative of there are students together, not just your student, like special education teacher student or my student. Do you think that's where co-teaching comes in heavily into play in that where it's like, you don't know, they can play off each other, they can feed off each other's um, strengths and weaknesses, they could kind of tag team SPED students and gen ed students and like kind of mix them up where nobody's the wiser who it is. 
Yeah, I think, you know, not because a lot of our students in general education is struggling. Even if they're not a student with an IEP, they still struggle, especially yeah. with COVID. Yeah. Um, having that lack of not, like specific skills that they have, they didn't learn uh, during COVID, super important. So those kiddos can benefit from a co-teacher, right? Mm-hmm. So our students who are a little bit behind or um, are in the, for example, like intervention tiers, they can really benefit from a co-teacher. And when the special education teachers are doing like small groups or even the general education teacher doing the small groups, including our students at IEPs and including our students who are struggling, they feel like they're struggling together and they're learning. It It makes them feel like they're not alone um, and I think, Thomas, what you said about the co-teaching, the importance of it, it happens really well when the general education teacher knows the students and the students' accommodations, right? Their eligibility, how they learn, and being able to collaborate and being able to tag team together is really beautiful. Um, being able to have the special education teacher teach the whole class and the general education teacher doing the small group with the students with IEPs and students who are struggling, that creates this like special bonding of general education teacher learning how they learn and what, where they're at, right? And not having to rely on the special education teachers to tell them what they know how to do. And I think that's really beautiful to see that collaboration. Does your, does your, the current school that you're at, do they have um, specific PD that helps with that? Because that is an art, that, that dance of being in the classroom with another teacher, knowing like double Dutch, when to jump in, when to fall Mm -hmm. back, who, who you're going to give some attention to, who you're just going to use like proximity to, like, does your, does your current school um, proactively uh, do that? So we started it. So we're at a, we're, I'm at a charter school right now and there's a lot of building pieces right now mm-hmm. that we're trying to figure out. And this past winter uh, quarter, we decided on the co-teaching model of collaboration time. So during PD every Friday, we have one hour protective for our general education teacher and our special education teachers to collaborate together. That's dope. And that protected time is super important. Like mm-hmm. admins out there, if you're really hoping for an inclusive, full inclusion, uh, co-teaching um, classrooms, you need to provide them a protected time in PD, not during the week with preps, during PD, because during um, prep time, you know how special education is. We have to go and pick up kids all the time. Like there's something that might be happening, behavior, it might have to be with um covering a class right like so many things are happening throughout the week that it's not protected apps are not protected unfortunately um so in pd have a protective hour or 30 minutes depending on how many teachers you have for your general education teachers and your special education teachers to be able to collaborate together talk about each student's ieps and discuss where they're at what they're struggling in, 
in the standard that you're all working on that week? And what are we gonna do to support our students? It seems repetitive sometimes, right? Like it seems very, a uh, lot of task and kind of waste of time sometimes, but that 30 minutes collaborating really change up each week um, and it helps. And it helps you build relationship with your co-teacher as well. How big is your uh, resource team there? Um, so I have two special education teachers and then we have this program called Power Hour. So it's kind of like intervention um, or um, what, what do we used to call it in California Collegiate? It was math and then math intervention? No, it was a second math class. Totally forgot. Um, but it, 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 2020, it happened. We, yeah, we COVID happened. Um, but we have two math classes, two English classes, and that's really helpful for kiddos because during the second English class or second math class, the intervention of what we call power hour, that's when we're able to do the pull out for our students with IEPs. That's where we're able to do the push in and to support our kiddos in a small group setting um, because that's where they're really doing the intervention and the remedial work. Okay. Are your students with IEPs more receptive to receiving services or are they like try to fight it and don't want to be singled out for? Yeah, so this, it happens every school, there is going to be a student or a few students who do not accept the IEP, the accommodation. I don't think it really depends on the school or the school culture. I think it's the students' past traumas, mm. right? Because I wish we can protect them from where they were at, like pre-K and whenever they got their IEP to like sixth, seventh, eighth and like high school. But whatever happened during those times um, before they got to you, you can't control that. And there are going to be some kiddos who are not going to accept that support accommodations and do not like to be called students at IEP. And I think it's anywhere, um, any city, state, any school. Um, but something that I am proud of, and I hope that every school um, can create this culture, is students who do not have IEPs want to have IEPs, right? Like students wants to go with you to get pulled out and get support. Like, oh, Ms. Tanaka, why can't you help me? I need a lot of help too. Like that creates this like welcoming culture of IEPs and the special education program. And hopefully with that, our students who are struggling to accept the help and who struggles to learn about their own IEPs and the eligibility and disability um, can feel a little bit more proud to be in that program. Um, you know, you got to make the program cool to feel like every kid want to be in it. So um, it really is one of those things where co-teaching, collaboration with teachers can lead into our students with IEPs not feeling left out 
and not feel different in the classroom. If every kid is getting that support and help, but they're a little bit differentiated, they're not gonna feel like they're a different kid. And I guess that's the goal. Love to hear it, love to hear it. Cause what I'm hearing is um, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what an IEP is, it's an individualized education plan specific with certain um, scaffolding differentiation for that kiddo. And if a kiddo's like, hey, for me, I got glasses. I need glasses to be able to just see the board. Without them, I'm blind as a bat. (laughs) Um, And if I get that accommodation, if I get that help, that's what I need to be able to be on par with everyone else to be like, oh, if Wooly just needs glasses, cool. That's, That's fine. That's what he needs. And if you need certain, if you need other things, and I, I get you, you're, I'm able to provide those other things and you're able to excel and do great and whatever. And if every kiddo sees that and is like, oh, this is what I need too. This is what I need to be successful. Then that's all they're doing is advocating for themselves. Um, yeah, I agree with you that if all the kids are like, no, Miss Naka, take me, Miss Kramer, take me. I want to go with you as well. That That is the goal. We just want kids to learn. As educators, that's what we want is we want kids to learn. Yeah. And I, I think we kind of touched on it one of the other episodes is like, IEPs have such a bad uh, stigma behind it. Like, oh, those are for the the kids are not so smart. Oh, those are for the the really special kids. You know, the for the slow kids. No, it's just like you said. You may need glasses. You may need to have sit in the front. You may not need to sit in the middle. You know, I need a calculator. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. so simple, it's not a bad thing. So if you need an IEP, get an IEP. It's right. not bad. You have great people who will help you get these things. And if you need it, advocate for it. Advocate for your kids. If you know yeah. they need it, fight for them. Don't just let them yeah. fall in the background and fail, you know? I was going to I was gonna add, um, and as a gen ed teacher, then it's incumbent upon me to make sure that I'm reading those IEPs. And I know, hey, this is what this kiddo needs. Let me ensure by law that I am making sure that this kiddo is getting the thing that they need. That's it. I think there, there are times when there are so many things and I appreciate it in how you, you said the thing out loud, Mr. Megumi of protected time because preps are not protected. So much stuff happens. Make sure that there's protected time so that every single kiddo is getting the thing that they ought to be getting, whatever that, that is maybe it is the preferential cheating seating maybe it is you know what the noise blocking headphones maybe it is this person just needs like the the band mm-hmm. on the seat so that when they fidget they get that little tactile stimulation so that they can focus on the work whatever mm-hmm. it may be make sure that they get it because again the goal is we want our kids to learn right and it's individualized yeah so you're not gonna if you don't have that protected time how are you gonna support 12 kids in your class who need those individualized differentiated accommodations Mm -hmm. right and they are there because we know that that's gonna help them succeed in the general education setting and we're hoping that general education teachers and the special education teachers can collaborate to be able to really advocate for our students at IEPs to take those accommodations right and hopefully teach our kids to advocate for their own needs as well that's it i mean i 
I totally loved team co-teaching. Um, I miss it so much. I think mm. I have at collegiate. I think I co-taught with so many great teachers. This current school, one. Um, but I mean, like, I, I miss it. It's so much fun being in a classroom, and they don't know what teacher you're gonna have that day. Like, you're gonna have the stuffy teacher, or you're gonna have the one that like, let's just have fun with it, get through our lesson. So, and I mean. I guess that brings me to a uh, question for you, Tanaka. What is your style in the classroom, your teaching style? Like, are you more, like, laid back? Like, as long as we get through it, we can have a good time. Or, like, draw the line, make sure your period is there. Fry, Bueller, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to say I'm the chill type. Like, really relaxed and all my kids love me and I'm really chill but it's true true. but thank you I am definitely the I hold really high expectations for my students I really do and I really value the time they have in the classroom so I want to make sure they are learning everything that we have been able to plan and get through and then if there's extra time I think that hang out and like have fun like play games sometimes to create those connections right but I think I add a lot of those in my lesson plan so like a lot of moving is happening um a lot of brain breaks are happening throughout the class so yeah I think I try to meet the middle but a little bit more or on the strict side because coming from a special education background it is super important that your classroom is quiet for our students with autism right it is super important for our students with ADHD to be able to concentrate in their schoolwork so that other kids are not talking next to them right and I think that environment really matters so being able to create that safe classroom is super important for me and so just that high standard is there and the expectation is being met and then let's learn we can have fun during the learning time but make sure that it's not going above the voice level of iris uh asked you all if there's need to be having a conversation about drama we can have that conversation later during the break like let's get learning and that time is really precious so what i'm understanding is we can have a good time as long as we're respecting everybody's boundaries, the classroom standards, and getting this done. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Okay. But I think it's important for as a teacher to put those fun things in your lesson because it is really hard, especially I'm working with a lot of my fifth graders this year. It's so hard to ask a fifth grader to sit still for 60 minutes. Are you kidding me? Even our sixth graders, like, 60 minutes and they get 10 minute break and they have to go back to the 60 minutes. I think it's super important to put those fun activities where they're able to talk with their friends and um, learn together and like having more like a movement. Um, Super important. Um, Not something that I really want to recommend to all schools is when you're doing observations, especially charter schools, these 
there's a lot of observations that are happening. It's so true. We want to hear students' voice more than the teacher's voice, right? And in California Collegiate, we did more like an 80% student voice learning and then 20% student uh, teacher actually teaching. And I think that's a really good model because um, that creates the 60 minutes that it feels like you're in a college classroom to a, hey, we're learning, let's have fun, but also keeping a respectful level <laughs> of noise and also respecting others. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for listening to part one of our conversation with Megumi Tanaka Kramer, part two, coming later.